you're listening to the Psych Nurse Practitioner Podcast. This is Ana Sanchez, your host. I discuss evidence-based research on mental health. I dispense empathy, hope, and share with you a deeper understanding of what mental illness is. Together, we can raise awareness, improve attitudes, and remove the barriers to mental health. Thank you. Hello, welcome to the Psychiatric Nurse Practitioner Podcast. This is Ana Sanchez, your host. Today, we will be continuing our series on personality disorders. In our previous episodes, we have discussed narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and dependent personality disorder. Today, we will be discussing antisocial personality disorder that is under the cluster B personality disorder that also includes borderline, histrionic, and narcissistic personality disorder. Now, according to the DSM-5, 10 personality disorders are classified under the cluster B and cluster C. All of these disorders are very dramatic with emotional and very unpredictable relationships. Now, according to the literature, antisocial personality disorder or ASPD is a dysfunctional, rigid thought process that highlights social irresponsibility, is highly characterized by a pattern of exploitative, delinquent, and criminal behavior. Those with ASPD have no remorse and does not conform with the law, and many are not able to maintain stable relationships. Those with ASPD are very manipulative. They are unable to sustain employment, are very deceptive and uses other people for personal gain. In adulthood, it is manifested in many areas in their lives, including family relationships, school, work, military service, and marriage. Those with ASPD uh, has a lack of empathy for others, do not experience any remorse for their criminality, and a failure in learning the negative results of their behaviors. ASPD is very chronic. It's a chronic um, disorder with a lifelong diagnosis that may improve with age. These negative symptoms of ASPD begin early in life during childhood and carries into early adolescence. These children may have a diagnosis of conduct disorder, which is a repetitive and persistent pattern of behaviors that violates other people's rights. I will stress, though, that not all children with a history of conduct disorder develop into ASPD. Be aware, as a nurse practitioner, that there's a socioeconomic correlation with ASPD due to poor educational achievement, frequent unemployment, poor job performance, and being in the low-income strata. Population, these are the population that are at higher risk for ASPD. Now, let me stress that research on African-American youth without antisocial symptoms was not at risk for ASPD, even though they were raised in impoverished homes. Those children with high rates of antisocial symptoms were at higher risk for ASPD, even though they lived in higher socioeconomic status. Now, the prevalence for ASPD is between 1% to 4% with a predictor factor of conduct disorder before age 15. 
The distribution of gender tends to go towards males with a three to five times more likely with ASPD than females. Statistics show that 6% of men and 2% of women in the general population. There is also a high correlation of substance abuse in the diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder and a correlation with a, a low education and low intelligence among those with ASPD, having lower IQ and lower reading levels. There's also a high risk for mood and anxiety disorders, ADHD, pathological gambling, learning disabilities, and other diagnoses such as borderline personality disorder with those with ASPD. Now, research suggests that there's both a genetic and non-genetic factors that is involved in the diagnosis of ASPD. According to family studies, there's a 20% um, of first-degree relatives with patients with ASPD. Twin studies have shown that they've, uh, there's a concordance rates of nearly 60% compared to 31% concordance rates for dizygotic twins. Adoption studies have shown that male adoptee with a biological relatives with ASPD, but that dysfunctional family life in the adopted family increases the likelihood with ASPD developing into the adoptee. Research states that there's an autonomic under arousal that is the underlying psychopathy in the persons uh, with ASPD that would require greater sensory input to produce normal brain functioning. So be aware of that autonomic under arousal uh, as the, then they would need that greater sensory for normal brain functioning. There's also a possibility that they, this is the reason why they seek risky uh, situations to raise that level of arousal. Research has also shown that those with ASPD um, have a lower heart rate and a slower EEG findings. Those with ASPD have also physical traits that you could see, facial anomalies. They have persistent um, hyperactivity and learning disorders. Subtle injuries during brain development in utero may have predisposed the offspring to antisocial uh, behaviors from maternal smoking, fetal exposure from chemicals from tobacco. Research has also shown that there's an abnormal central nervous system functioning. There are low levels of neurotransmitters that have been in associated with impulsivity and violent behaviors. Other research have shown that there's low glucose metabolism in the right temporal lobe in PET studies of military personnel who have assaulted other people. As the nurse practitioner, it is important for you to assess family and social histories because factors show that there's a poor parenting skill, physical and emotional abuse, that there's increased risk for the patients that you are caring for that may develop into conduct disorder and later on ASPD. Now, research has shown that there's a higher rate of criminal behavior, alcoholism, divorce, inadequate uh, supervision, 
inappropriate parental discipline that has been linked with antisocial personality disorder and conduct disorder. This lack of parent parenting and monitoring are seen in families with patients with ASPD. There's also a high, high rate of neglect and violent parents with children with conduct disorder that develop later on with ASPD. The cycle of abuse, we have to stop this. Prevention is key. So one generation to the next uh, with cycle of abuse. The, the theory of this is the history of physical and emotional abuse disrupts the normal brain development that triggers a cascade of events that increases the risk for a child to develop conduct disorder and antisocial personality disorders. Now, of note, social circles of those with conduct disorder and antisocial personality disorder have shown that delinquency is associated with membership to a gang that usually starts in elementary years. As a psych nurse practitioner, it is important for you to do a thorough history and physical exam that is critical for the diagnosis uh, for that to be made for a patient with chronic and repetitive behavioral problem that started in childhood, adolescence, and then transfers onto adulthood. So collateral information from family and friends can also be helpful for accurate history. Now, according to the DSM-5 criteria for antisocial personality disorder, there should be a pattern of disregard for violation of rights of others since the patient was 15 years old and has three or more of the following. So there should be a lack of remorse of being indifferent or that they rationalize the hurt or stolen from another person. There's also a consistent failure to sustain consistent work behavior. Uh, there's consistent irresponsibility. They're not able to honor their monetary obligations. Patients with ASPD also have reckless regard or disregard for safety of self and others. Patients with ASPD are very, very impulsive. They're irritable. They're very aggressive and will be involved in physical assaults and fights early on. Patients with ASPD are con artists. They're be conning others for personal profit. They are very deceitful. They lie to others and uses many names or aliases. Patients with ASPD are not able to conform to social norms and not able to follow the law. Patients with ASPD should be at least 18 years old and has had previous um, diagnosis of conduct disorder before age 15 years old. There's also um, an occurrence of antisocial behavior not due to bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. Now, as the nurse practitioner who works in pediatrics, be aware of the manifestation of behaviors of antisocial personality disorder that occur during childhood. Use these as red flags for prevention. These are the poor academic performance, school-related behavioral problems, running away from the home, fire setting, stealing, vandalism, cruelty to animals and other children, conflicts with parents and other authority figures in the school, 
with having frequent fights and, and with their peers. So use these as red flags to help prevent um, the patient from having these disorder later on in life. As a child grows up, they may develop other behaviors such as sexual promiscuity or sexual activity at a very young age than compared to their peers. Those with antisocial behaviors have minor acts of lying and cheating, from rape to torture to murder. They have uh, pathological lying. Again, they use aliases, have poor job performance, and frequency of being fired due to their unreliability. Um, there's no current diagnostic modalities as far as labs in the diagnosis of ASPD. But since ASPD also have increased mortality rates due to impulsivity, aggressiveness, traumatic injuries, accidents, suicides, and homicides, you as the nurse practitioner will have to order labs accordingly. These may be due to um, intoxication, so order drug screens, blood alcohol levels, x-rays, um, there may be fractures, head injuries, and other labs for the medical treatment of ASPD. Treatment in the management for antisocial personality disorder is a combination of psychopharmacology and psychotherapy. Research shows that hospitalization is not the best option for patients with ASPD and does not benefit those with ASPD because they will likely disrupt the hospital milieu affect other patients in the acute psychiatric setting. Again, inpatient psychiatric hospitalization initiation for ASPD is only reserved for treating the other co-occurring comorbidities such as withdrawals, substance intoxication, head injuries, and suicidal behaviors. Now, as far as pharmacological interventions that are used um, uh, should be used for treating co-occurring conditions such as aggressive behaviors with second-generation antipsychotics such as risperdone and quetiapine. Other medications such as SSRIs, sertraline, fluoxetine, other mood stabilizers such as carbamazepine and lithium are also used to assist those impulsive behaviors. Other medications such as atomoxetine and bupropion are used for ADH symptoms, ADHD symptoms. Now, as far as medical history, be aware that those with ASPD are at higher risk for HIV, liver disorders, head injuries, and other physical traumas such as lacerations and fractures. So treat accordingly. Um, as the nurse practitioner, be aware of their manipulative behavior, drug-seeking behavior, signs of malingering and substance use disorder. As the provider, your patient with ASPD may have um, elderly parents that they live with or children that they live with who are at higher risk for being abused. So stop the cycle. You will have to collaborate with Child Protective Services, Adult Protective Services, uh, your social workers for this likelihood of abuse for other people. Now, prevention is the key for those who work in a pediatric arena. As the nurse practitioner, be aware that these male patients may tend to exhibit uh, other symptoms 
earlier than girls with conduct disorder and maybe uh, developing into ASPD later in life. Be aware also that ASPD is a lifelong presentation. So short-term incarceration, those can be red flags for future antisocial personality disorder. As the nurse practitioner, collateral information is very important, which we've said many times. So check with the family, educate the family due to the behaviors that is going to be displayed, such as addiction, high rates of suicides and homicides, adds burden to the family and the community. Patients with um, ASPD, though, with good family support system shows remission from the behavior. So preventative measures are important. Be aware for those um, that presents in your facility or in your clinic um, for help that seek help may present only because of court-mandated assessment. So be aware of that manipulative behaviors again. As a nurse practitioner, um, usually more than likely ASPD patients are non-compliant with therapy, medication management, and appointments, and can be very challenging to you as the provider. Interprofessional team and collaboration is important for those patients with ASPD because they are at higher risk for incarceration, violence, and deceit. Again, I will stress that disruptive behaviors in the inpatient setting does not benefit the patient and will be disrupting the milieu. So treat them accordingly and be firm with your boundaries. Today, we have talked about antisocial personality disorder its presentation, how it is classified, the etiology of ASPD, and the treatment and management of ASPD. Thank you for listening to the Psychiatric Nurse Practitioner podcast. Until next time, this is Ana Sanchez, your host. Thank you. Psych Nurse Practitioner Podcasts is a weekly podcast where I share with you my passion in the field of psychiatry. My hope is to build a community where we can have empathy and compassion for those struggling with mental health conditions. Find me on Instagram at Anna Sanchez underscore psych underscore NP and at Psychiatric Nurse Practitioner and subscribe to my podcasts. Thank you. The Psych Nurse Practitioner podcast does not constitute for a medical or psychiatric advice. This podcast is not intended to replace professional psychiatric assessment. The ideas expressed in this podcast do not reflect the position of the speakers, authors, and affiliated medical and nurse practitioner organizations. Sanchez is a dual board certified as a family and psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. She has a private practice clinic and specializes in telepsychiatry in the state of Georgia. She is the founder for Hope Center for Veterans, which is a nonprofit organization that increases positive outcomes for service members. She currently serves as a medical officer in the United States Air Force Reserves. 
Her passion is in the care of those who have mental health conditions.